zahor of my own to live out the rest of my days. Don't come to me, don't bother me. I just want to be left alone. I wish you'd believe me, I dare not deceive thee. I want you to leave me alone. Wait. You're there, aren't you? I knew it. I'm starting to be able to feel it. To feel when you're there listening. Of course I can feel it. I've been waiting all week for it. Of course I can feel it. Could you feel that I was ready to talk to you? I was just waiting. Waiting and singing so at least I had the company of my own voice. I'm glad you caught me singing to myself and not telling myself a story. Somehow that seems worse. I would rather tell you a story. In fact, I think I may just get right to it. There isn't much new that I have to tell you because I'm still here. I'm still in this completely dark, empty place, if we can even call it a place at all. I still can't see, hear, nor feel anything around me. My punishment continues, I suppose. Only the ones who did this to me did not take into account my great and wonderful imagination. It's that very thing that's kept pulling me through the centuries this whole time. And it will continue to do so. Even here. I wish, as I always have, but I especially wish now that you could tell me what's new with you. I wish I could hear about how your week was since last I spoke to you. I wish you could tell me what's inspired you this week. If you saw any beautiful sunsets, or strange creatures, or magnificent ghosts. But I can't hear you. That's not how this works. As I said, <clears throat> I think I may just get right to my story. I hope you don't mind. This one is about a lighthouse. Here we go. Every morning just after the sun began to peek over the horizon, a little fishing boat would make its way into the sea. Inside that boat was a young man. And every day, all day, he would fish by himself. It was not easy. His boat was small, but... Small as it was, 
Manning the nets, dragging them back into the boat, and steering the ship around the ocean side was grueling work all by himself. It was much easier when his father was there to fish with him, not only for the physical exertion that his day-long work required, for every day he had to travel two hours to the market in the afternoon with at least a basket full of fish in order to survive his solitary life. But his work was more difficult now, mostly because he didn't have company or conversation to get him through the day. The water was usually peaceful, and the sky was usually beautiful. But the hours passed by so very slowly all by himself on that seaside that he knew so well. And the fish hadn't been biting lately, for winter was on its way. As the air grew colder, the fish grew more sluggish and less daring. And the days grew even longer for the young man. One day in particular, he had caught barely anything, and he particularly missed his father this day. He knew that he might have had a trick or two they could try, but he wasn't here. So, no market today. It was an evening where he might have one small fish for dinner and one salted fish for his breakfast in the morning. He steered his little boat back to his little dock, where he dragged his weary feet back to his little cottage, resigned to his little dinner. Poor boy, he was all alone, and barely a man at the age of eighteen. He had to work every day of his life, and so he had no friends in town. Only, perhaps, the few folks who bought his fish from the market, but that was it. No one lived near his little fisherman's cottage. He had thought it was lonely when it was just him and his father, but now that his father was gone for over a year, he really knew what the meaning of lonesome was. It had been after a particularly long and difficult winter and it had been a particularly vicious case of pneumonia. It should suffice to say that our young man no longer had his father with him. He had no family with him. As it is with so many of these poor souls I seem to find in my long and strange journey through your world, he was all alone. One evening, he was so tired, and yet he somehow found the stamina to sit out on his dock, and stare out at the sea. Wrapped in a blanket, he still shivered at the cold that was coming. Yet the stars over the ocean this night were worth it. The wind blew hard, and a few droplets of cold, almost freezing rain fell. And he knew a storm may be coming. This did not bode well for a day of fishing tomorrow. But that's a problem for tomorrow, I suppose he thought to himself as he kept his eyes on the glistening stars, which looked as though they were about to be overtaken by ominous, billowing clouds. But something else caught his eye. It was a bright light across the surface of the water. It seemed to be in a moving pattern. It would start on the west side of the cliffs, far away from the little cottage. 
and stream across the water in a bright, warm glow, rotating round so all of the water was touched gently. It even passed over the boy's cottage and kept going across the land. It was going around in a circle. It was the lighthouse on the western cliffs, but he had never seen it lit before. For you see, this side of the sea was once a port that ships would come into, but no longer. It hadn't been for over a hundred years. He had seen the lighthouse before, but never thought much of it. It was old, and the colorful markings on it were quite faded. The day mark was almost illegible by this point, and besides that, no one was around to see it anyhow. It was a ruin, an archaic hollow of the thing that it once was. Yet why, then, was there such a bright light tonight? And a better question yet that the boy asked himself. Who had lit it? His exhaustion was soon replaced with curiosity. He dressed himself in his warmest sweater and shoes and scarf, and he braved the wind and the increasingly pouring rain, and he started his long walk towards the western cliffs. The light would stream across the rocks and the grass and the hills and the cliffs, and occasionally over him, and he would have to stop and shield his eyes from its glare. But he kept onward. When the lighthouse was finally in his sight, he looked up and was shocked to see that it was, as it always had been, completely abandoned and decrepit, including the lamp. The light was no longer shining. Clearly it was not operational and hadn't been for a terribly long time. He could see, even from his position on the ground, that the lamp was shattered and unlit. But he knew he had seen that light. He had been seeing it over the past two hours. How was it possible that now the lamp was clearly broken and long unused? Just as he thought these strange thoughts to himself, the door at the base of the cylindrical structure slowly creaked itself open and swung loosely in the breeze. And, standing in the doorway, there was the silhouette of a man. He couldn't see much about him, other than that he was tall. He wore a fisherman's cap, just like the one his father used to have. And he seemed to be an older man. And he was standing still as stone, looking in the exact direction of the young man. Suddenly he turned and walked back into the lighthouse, disappearing from view. Wait! The young man cried out and followed him inside. Wait, who are you? Everything inside was filthy, covered with dust from the air and mold from the sea. But someone had lived here once, and everything of theirs was untouched. Books, maps, charts, compasses, globes, paintings, portraits, and landscapes alike. Then he heard footsteps above him. He quickly ascended up several flights of stairs, 
eager to find the man again and speak with him. He dared not hope, but the silhouette had looked so familiar. And he desperately wanted to believe that perhaps his father had returned to him, even if only for one night, even if only just to say hello, to give him this one night of not being so very alone. Up and up and up the footsteps went, and up and up and up the boy followed. The stairs creaked from neglect and age, and he held carefully to the shaking railings, hoping not to fall to his untimely end. But he didn't. He kept running up the stairs until, finally, he found a door at the very top of the lighthouse. He reached to open it, but before he could, it opened itself and he saw the old gentleman standing by the railing, staring out at the sea. With shaking hands, the boy approached, his face drained of its color, and his heart pounding rapidly. The rain pounded freely from the sky and over his face, but he didn't feel its cold for the hope in his heart. Father, he whispered but the old man raised a hand to stop the boy. A pale, bloodless hand with blue fingernails. And, even from behind, the boy could see that the man had a gold ring on his index finger. His father had never owned anything gold in his entire life. I have to light it, the man said his voice seeming to be traveling on the wind, no louder than a breeze. Yet somehow, over the roar of the sea, the boy could hear it right in his ear. Have to light it. Have to keep watch. Keep watch in the night. Have to light it. The boy looked up at the lamp, and indeed, it was shattered. A stain was on the cement beneath it, where what little whale oil from long, long ago had once spilled after the glass had given way. There was no more oil. There was no more light. Yet somehow, the light had shone this evening, and the man at the top of the lighthouse kept muttering over and over, Have, have to, to light it. it. Have, have to, to show, show them. Have, have to show, show them the way. way. Must show, show the way. way. The boy took a few steps closer to the man, shaking even more now. This was not his father. But then, who was this? He joined the man at the edge of the railing and stood next to him. When he looked over, he saw that the man's face was as pale and bloodless as his hand. His lips were blue. His eyes were clouded over. His cheeks were sunken. He looked just as his father had when he was ill. There. there. The man's voice rang out, though his lips didn't move. His ghastly hand reached out towards the sea, pointing at a ship. It was large, but not large enough to withstand this storm. 
The boy watched as the ship tossed and turned on the waves that were so tall they rose and fell on the ship, making it disappear and reappear on the water. It seemed to have no direction, no purpose, and yet it was headed right towards the shore. The boy arched his brow, unsure of what on earth a ship could be doing at this time of night, in this place where ships rarely came so close to shore anymore. Besides that, the water was now tumultuous from the storm, and crashed violently against the rocks below. He could see the water sweeping up onto the land, overtaking his little dock in the east. Looking around the railing, he spotted a telescope perched on a stand, overlooking the water, and he went to it. Dusty though the device was, he could easily make out the ship and its crew. He could see that there were a few men on deck, not standing upright, but lying on the wooden floor, water splashing over and across them, and they were flung across the deck loose as rag dolls. There was another man at the helm, his wrists lashed to the wheel, and every other part of him loose and limp, swaying to and fro with the harsh wind and the violent waves. They were all dead. Whether by drowning or by disease, starvation, or something else, who could say by what, the entire crew of this huge ship was dead and they were being aimlessly tossed by violent water. Not there, get out of there, get them out of there, bring them safe, bring them here. The old phantom beside him kept muttering, though the young man didn't dare look away from the telescope. The ship was hurled angrily against the little dock to the east, shattering its wood in every direction. But this didn't stop it. It slid easily over the shore, wet and slick from the waves. It ran aground, toppled over, and crashed into his cottage. Nothing remained after the collision. The boy stood at the telescope, frozen with shock. If he hadn't seen the light in the tower, he would have perished this night. He turned to the muttering ghost, tears in his eyes, prepared to offer some kind of thanks. But the man was gone. Only a husk, barely a skeleton any longer, remained on the balcony with him, his hat and clothes barely intact. The man had died up here, who knows how long ago? It must have been at least a hundred years. Yet still, he kept watch. And the boy was grateful to him. Even if it was not his father, he was grateful to the man who looked out for him. The man who had lived alone and died alone in this place that the boy had once thought was the most lonesome place in the world. He had thought wrong.
Suffice to say, he buried the lighthouse keeper. He restored the lighthouse. He still went fishing, now and again. But he decided that he ought to keep watch in the night now, and let the poor man rest, finally. What a beautiful place that was. I have always wanted to live in a lighthouse. I did live by the sea once. Do you remember? I lived on the seaside, on the side of a cliff. I lived by the sea. I remember. What a beautiful place that was. Wait. I hear someone coming, I think. No, they can't be. I have to go, my friends. I'm sorry. But I'll find you soon. And we'll speak again soon. Good night. Hi everybody, Kristen here. I'm the writer, creator, composer, performer, host, and entire creative team behind On a Dark Cold Night. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 79. I hope your October has started nicely. Cold weather is settling in, Halloween is approaching, and peak spooky Kristen is really starting to come out, as she usually does this time of year. I have several thank yous this week that are going out to some new friends who were sweet enough to leave me reviews. First, I'd like to thank Rainboot, who wrote us a five-star review on iTunes titled Sophisticated and Creative Stories. Rainboot says, I adore this podcast and always listen to it right before I end my day. It's perfect for a creepy while still soothing story that anyone can enjoy. Couldn't recommend enough. Thanks so much, Rainboot. Next, we have The Girl Jeff, also on iTunes, also five stars, who writes, My wife just discovered this podcast. We love falling asleep for this podcast. Tonight, we discovered the old episodes after episode 70 had gone. If at all possible, it would be great to have them back. We haven't learned enough about our narrator. Thanks for your work. Thanks so much for writing and checking in about this, The Girl Jeff. There was indeed a glitch with my website, and temporarily, my back catalog disappeared from iTunes, Stitcher, and possibly other places. I'm very, very sorry about this, guys, Uh, but the problem appears to be solved now. Please give me a shout if anything like that happens again, but thanks also for the five stars and the fantastic review, The Girl Jeff. If you want to help out like Rainboot and The Girl Jeff, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a review. Or you can be like Susan M.W., who left us a recommendation on Facebook reading, 
I can't recommend this podcast enough. I'm late discovering Kristen Zaza, but so thrilled that I have. What a gift. If you like brilliant gothic horror, prepared to be wooed and wowed by this amazing talent. On a Dark Cold Night has become a bedtime ritual for me. Thank you, Kristen, my friend. Susan. Wow, thank you so much for this lovely shout-out, Susan. I really appreciate it. If you want to shout-out the show a different way, you can find me on Twitter at Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, both called On a Dark Cold Night. You can also support my work in a really awesome way by listening on the free Radio Public app, where every listen goes towards me as your podcaster being paid for each listen. If you'd like to donate to the show, you can support us on Patreon, where every monthly patron of any amount receives access to a link to the soundtrack of the show. You can find out more information at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you only want to donate once and aren't interested in the soundtrack perk, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, feel free to check out our On a Dark Cold Night t-shirts and hoodies, available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. I just bought a hoodie for myself, and I'm so excited to give it away this fall. Thank you so much for listening in for another week. I'm blown away by the support I've been shown recently, and extremely touched. I hope you have a wonderful week between now and the next time you hear from me. Take care, my friends.